this week's episode is brought to you by Zambak, uh, which is um, Africa's premier ointment, ointment of choice. We're pretty excited. This is our second video podcast. If you haven't listened to our first podcast series, which was Women in Travel, please do go and check out the series. It's available on uh, Apple Podcasts um, and on our website at inspiringafricantravel.com um, and wherever else you find your podcasts. While we record the second series of uh, Inspiring African Travel, which will be local heroes in tourism, we thought it would be really good to dig into some of the destinations that we know and that we love. Today's podcast is going to be a relaxed, casual conversation. It's actually our first series of what we call Inspiring African Experiences. It's a chance for us to share what we love about the destination and the idea as well, if we can, is give you some tips and ideas and some little known facts about the area. In order to help us, we have our trusty friend, Andrew Flatt, to pull into the podcast series again. Andrew, I assume you're over in, uh, in South Africa. Uh, thanks for uh, agreeing once again to join us. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, agreeing is a strong word. I was uh, uh, told, uh, be ready to film at three o'clock. Um, no, but I'm very happy to be back. All is well here in South Africa. There's great news, obviously. Uh, the world has heard. South Africa is now allowing all nationalities in. Botswana has announced uh, border openings. Very relevant news if you're listening to this in November 2020. Otherwise, I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, quite predictable that um, the first of the, Afri the inspiring African experiences destinations would be the Chobe floodplains. Uh, but in all fairness, I know that uh, we've all traveled there often a lot, spent a lot of time exploring those areas. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a really good place to start. So we will kick it off. Uh, Stuart, I'm going to start with you. Um, in your in your career, I'm sure you have spoken to thousands of, of travel agents and tour operators and just generally travelers about the Chobe area and the Chobe Riverfront in particular. So why don't you start us off and, and explain what the Chobe floodplains are and how you get there? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks again for um, coming coming online and, and uh, interviewing us. Um, Chobe floodplains, uh, yeah, it's an amazing place. Um, I, you know, I was probably first introduced to it uh, uh, years ago when I when I worked in Botswana. But as obviously working with desert and delta safaris in Chobe Game Lodge over the years, I've spent a lot of time up there. Uh, I mean, the Chobe floodplains really is a, it's an it's a very beautiful area. It's an amazing section of the Chobe National Park, um, just not that far in from the from the park gates. Um, and they base it's basically just a really big open floodplains, um, which obviously in, in the in the flood in the flood seasons mostly covered in water. But uh, obviously, as the as the water levels drop on the Chobe River in, into the drier seasons, um, the floodplains kind of emerge out of the uh, from the river, and they just create this magical place for people to uh, for wildlife to to um to graze and, and feed um so yeah it's, it's an incredible place the elephant interactions and the elephant sightings along that those floodplains are absolutely magical 
Um, in terms of access, it's really is easy to get there. Um, guests, you can fly into Kasani um, and access the access the park by road, um, or a lot of a lot of guests come across from Victoria Falls um, and extend their trips uh, into the Vic, uh, from Vic Falls across to to the Chobe region and head out onto the floodplains. Jules, when, when did you first experience the Chobe floodplains? You've been traveling to Botswana for a number of, of year now, uh, years now. Um, what was that sort of first experience like and what did you think of it? So the first time I came to Botswana was in December 2016 to visit. And that's where James was living at the time. Um, so it was a very exciting experience. Um, I remember we would go every evening after work to the floodplains and have a look and every little thing excited me, like even just looking at the dung beetles, uh, just rolling their dung was exciting, there was so much colour, the, the floodplains were green because it was in the middle of the rainy season, so you had all these different shades of green, yeah, it was just beautiful. Not, not to mention the rosy-throated longclaw, which is obviously <laughs> Uh, the most exciting animal to be found on the on the Chobe floodplains, and we did we did see it when we first went out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, it's the it's quite a rare bird, and it's quite prolific out on the floodplains as soon as summer kicks in. Yeah, I mean, well, there were loads of birds because you have all the migratory birds around at the time, so lots of colour. You have your kingfishers, the cuckoos, the rollers, the common beetles. Well, uh, very impressed uh, that you've turned into such a twitcher, but I guess that's uh, only par for the course when you're married to James Wilson. <laughs> James, let's, let's throw it to you. Uh, you've been a, a, a big proponent of the Chobe floodplains for a decade now. Some would say a cheerleader. Um, some would say, Mr. Chobe, uh, you know, depends who you're asking. Why is that? You know, what is it about them that's so special to you? And, and why do you feel the need to, to tell people about it and to sort of educate uh, people on this area? Thanks, Andrew. It's a question I very much love to, to, to answer. When I have a few moments to spare up in Chobe, it's the place I go to um, straight away. So I used to live at Chobe Game Lodge and uh, the first floodplain that you can get to is, is Puku Flats. And it takes about 20 minutes to get there from, from the lodge. That last video series on our YouTube channel um, features all the, all the content that we filmed um, from a week, from just one week of literally going from the lodge out to the, to the floodplains to see what we could see. Um, but to answer your question, why do I love it so much? Well, um, as, as Stuart said, you know, it's, it's accessible, um, but, but what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, that when you're in Chobe, the, the game viewing is really prolific when you're either on the river on a boat or just driving along the riverfront because um, you've got your largest concentration of elephants um, on the whole planet um, uh, along the Chobe riverfront, so um, anything around 60 to 70,000 elephants. Um, and so they all move down to the river um, in these big herds, massive herds of buffalo. The lions are prolific along the Chobe Riverfront, loads of other game. So it's one of the easiest places to go on a game drive because you just drive along the river and everything is kind of coming down to the river to you um, or is there before your eyes on the river. 
And there are a number of these floodplains um, along the riverfront. Um, the first one being the watercart floodplain, which is the easiest and, and closest one to get to from, from Kasani, the gateway. Um, and then Puku Flats, which is close to the lodge. Um, and then you've got uh, Kabula Bula, Letre Flats, um, down towards Ihaha. And these floodplains have, most of them have a really nice network of roads on them. And most people don't make the effort to head out onto those roads. And the reason why we wanted to do this feature is on the Chobe floodplains is because we believe it's like a destination and a, an ecosystem in its own right along the Chobe riverfront. And what happens is quite often you don't know what wildlife is out there on those floodplains because there's a lot of long grass and a number of dips and depressions within these uh, floodplains. So, um, well, I'm a massive wildlife fan, so even as Jules said, the dung beetles and the, and the rosy-throated longclaws um, excite me uh, a lot. But quite often when you head out to those floodplains, you start to encounter big herds of wildlife that you never even knew were out there. Um, we're talking herds of 300, 400 buffalo, um, big herds of, of elephants. Sometimes you'll be surprised that there'll be lions out there. and. The key is that once you head out on those network of roads, um, most people don't make the effort to go out there. So you move away from the other vehicles and the other tourists along the riverfront, and you'll quite often find yourself in your own little space, in your own little world. And yeah, who, do, who doesn't like open grasslands? It's a, it's a real African, I always just feel the moment you're out there, you feel this is Africa, you know, yeah. those open savannas and grasslands. and. Uh, yeah, right now um, you've got summer storms rolling in and colours and greenery like Julia was saying um, and then in the, in the dry season um, in, in June, July, August, September you have harsh golden colours from the grass and lots of dust and um, big herds of elephants and it's dramatic. So I hope that that in a nutshell um, answers why I love the Chobe floodplain so much and why we wanted to, to feature it on this, on this, on this podcast is to give little people people a little opportunity to to learn a bit about them, where to get get to them um, from, and why why you should head out there. Yeah, I think you made a very uh, good point. You say it's it's a destination in its own right, and uh, what I think is, from my point of view, the way it's very important to to uh, get the message across is that this is a destination within a destination. You know. The Chobe Riverfront and the Chobe National Park are such renowned areas for, for wildlife and for the landscapes and uh, the accessibility is huge. But to be able to say, hey, there's somewhere you can sneak away and get to uh, within this destination itself, that's, that's really cool. Well, I love the green season in, uh, in Botswana for many reasons. Um, first, is, as I mentioned earlier, it's just full of song and color the, with all the migratory birds with just the different shades of green. The animals look much healthier because they have so much to graze on. You have little ones, so you have all the impalas having their offspring. Um, it's just, they all look so happy, like you can all, if you look at the ellies, you know, you it's almost like they have a smile on the side of their face, you know, so just all that. I think it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful time to come and visit. You look, when you look at the, 
the skyline, it's full of drama, you know, with, with the thunderstorms and stuff and the cloud formations. So your sunsets and sunrises are just epic. And literally it is the, the happy season. So that's the green season, which, are, which is our summer. And that runs from around about now, November um, or December, um, all the way through January, February, March, um, and into the beginning of, of April. Uh, a lot of, of the misconceptions I think people have is that if they come to Chobe uh, that time of year, the Chobe floodplains will, um, won't be prolific in terms of numbers of elephants and wildlife. Although uh, there are less dramatic herds during the green season, they actually do, they're still there in big numbers. And because there's lots of mud, they're splashing themselves with mud, they're enjoying those rich grasses out on the floodplain. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of wildflowers out there. So photography wise, um, amazing. One of my favorite photos we took when, when you were out there is a, is a shot of this uh, elephant with some flowers and some beautiful colors in the, in the sky. You're nodding, Andrew, you know the shot. Yeah. <laughs> I like it as well. Yeah. But even if you don't see much, just actually the adventure of going in and looking for these animals and finding them is so rewarding. Um, so it just makes for a, an exciting experience, yeah. really. And plus yeah. there's, um, even without going out onto the floodplains, there's so few travelers out um, around during the green season that uh, we've done many a drive where in January or February where you go out for the day and you don't it's see amazing. one single other vehicle um, for, the, for the whole afternoon. So really cool. And then shoulder season starts around April, May, June. Um, the rains stop and um, as the rain stops, so the surface water dries up and so more and more animals are moving down to the river. But what happens as well is that during um, March, April, May, the Chobe River has completely swelled up and almost all the Chobe floodplains will be entirely underwater, um, especially last year when we had big floods. Um, so yeah, the only way to experience the Chobe floodplains theoretically around about um, April, March, April and May during the shoulder season um, will be on top of them on a boat. <laughs> so uh, so that's, uh, that's how much the, the floodplains transform. So yeah, I, I get a bit sad um, and nostalgic when the floodplains disappear, but of course that is why they are floodplains. So a lot of that water is actually coming from the Zambezi River flooding across the uh, Caprivi or the Zambezi region floodplains and into the Chobe. And then um, the waters drop really quickly. And so suddenly around about uh, end of May, June, July, those floodplains all become exposed. And with it, the water birds follow that receding waterline as it goes down. And they have an absolute field day um, because they're picking up all the mollusks and the exposed fish and the crabs and they go berserk. So you'll flocks and flocks of um, white-faced ducks and herons and storks and you name it. Um, so the birding just goes, um, um, explodes uh, the water birds along the river. And then the, the dry season kicks in. So those grasses then grow from those floodplains on the Chobe floodplains. And then it becomes a haven for all the big game who are coming out from the very, very dry Botswana Chobe National Park and are desperate to, to feed off those grass grasses, those rich grasses. So during July, August, September, exploding with life once again. So um, when is the best time to go out into the Chobe floodplains? Well, <laughs> difficult to say. You take your pick which you, which, which you prefer. 
Uh, Stuart, we are going to throw something your way now with your helper. Um, tell us, talk us through the best way to experience the Chobe floodplains. In fact, I want to hear it from Aiden. Aiden's been on the Chobe floodplains. He was, uh, no, not the floodplains. He spent some quality time on the boat. What? Um, bye, boy. I'm going on the boat, for me, certainly the best way to experience it, um, and if I just think back to my first experience with the, on the floodplains, it also was with you, James, uh, in 2014, when we literally just, you know, we packed a, we packed a cooler bag uh, of some beers, grabbed our cameras uh, fully charged, ready to go, and we literally drove out onto the Puku Flats, parked the car in front of, a, in front of a, 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 some water, and just literally sat and watched and just waited for everything to kind of come to us. And uh, that for me is, is the best way to experience the Puku Flats. It's not, about, it's not about driving around and trying to actively seek out big game and all of that stuff. It's about just sitting and being in one space and just allowing whatever the Puku Flats has to offer to literally come to you. I mean, that, uh, that time we spent there in 2014 on those floodplains was phenomenal. And just standing um, or sitting in the vehicle uh, and just literally watching as hundreds of elephants roam through the through the grassland area and just drinking water and and you know sitting down and just taking photographs photograph after photograph of of these incredible experiences as they unfold in front of you you know that certainly for me is the is is what the Chobe floodplains is all about it's definitely not about you know trying to get out there and, and chase after big stuff um you just literally let it unfold and you kind of take it in and that's actually when you when you experience africa for as what it really is and what it should be um you know you just kind of take in those moments uh, and and enjoy it for what it is um, just don't forget the beers or the wine or whatever it is you drink because um it's magical out there Stuart, I'm going to ask you to give me a quick summary of your favorite experiences uh, and what you would do if you could be sent to the Chobe floodplains right now. If I was right there right now, I'd just literally jump in a vehicle and, and go and find a spot uh, on the floodplains, probably the Puku Flats, one of my favorites. Uh, I'd just go and sit there and, and just sit there quietly and, and, and wait to see what, what comes my way. Jules, same question to you. Favorite experience, that's a tough one because every season and every like every time you go to the floodplains, it's different. Um, but I'll just say like, I just love that when you go onto the floodplains, just seeing how the Ellie's are so relaxed and they come up so close, like I've never actually seen it before, where they come and you, you almost feel like you can touch them and just being surrounded by them is usually quite exciting and I enjoy that. It happened last time. We had one oh, come yeah. right up to the vehicle. You almost. feel like they're almost going to touch you. Um, and that's one of my favorite things on the, on the Chobe floodplains. James, come on, give us your answer. We, we know that uh, you've been dying to tell us what your favorite Chobe floodplain experience is. Uh, yeah, that's really tough, Andrew. And I actually have nothing prepared, uh, even though this uh, uh, video that we've been planning to record for so long. Um, so I have. So off the bat, I'm going to go with um, a green season experience, since it's it's green season now and coming into summer. And uh, I'll openly admit I got uh, quite badly stuck uh, out on the floodplain. So the, the the rains have been quite significant, and um, I was 
on my way to find the black kukal, which is a, a really cute uh, bird. It's a black kukal, which is, um, it makes a, a, a very uh, gentle sound. And I, I picked it up. Um, it's a whoop, 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 whoop. And it was quite far on the other side of the floodplain. So I thought, no, nah, I can definitely get there through this mud. And uh, I, got, <laughs> I got stuck. And uh, fortunately, a, a friend of mine, Rex Kelly, had one of his vehicles with guests going past and uh, they pulled me out. And uh, very, very, very fortunately, once they left, they left me there. Um, the black cuckoo found me. So that was really cool. It was beautiful green. It was rainy. And it's for me, that is that is something that's quite special. So one other tip is ask your guide to take you to the Puku Flats stretch point. And it's such a cool area because you can just take your cooler box there. Um, you have the view of the river, the Chobe River and the floodplains. And it's actually quite nice because you can also see the alleys coming from the river and back onto the floodplains and a lot lots and lots of water birds there so considering i'm running the show today uh, i'm going to share my experience whether you guys ask or not um, i think the one experience i love the most about the chobe floodplains and if i could be there right now what i'd want to be doing is actually from the water um, i think there's just something so magical about being on a boat being on the water and approaching these floodplains, these massive, beautiful, expansive, uh, open grasslands and having wildlife come across them seemingly to you. It almost feels like you've arrived and everyone's come to greet you. I just love that feeling of floating up and watching the tree line in the distance and then you see a herd of elephants come through and they're all just trudging down to the water to get that that first or last drink of the day and you just sit while all of this is it feels like it's happening to you it's just right in your face and it's just the most magical experience because you don't feel like you're intruding you don't feel like there's any sort of animosity between the boat and the animal it's just this pure feeling of uh, joy and that experience is yeah, you can't put it in words really and I really like that and I think that's also the lovely thing about the Chobe floodplains. You, you can experience that, you know, land-based experience, the water-based experience, a lodge-based experience as well, you know. For instance, a, a Chobe Savannah Lodge, you've got that exact feeling looking across the water as the animals come. I think it's very special. Um, just my two cents. Um, anyway, team, right. What is in store for Inspiring African Travel next? We've had uh, the first series, which was just fantastic, Women in Travel. We've now had uh, Inspiring African Experiences, which I'm hoping will continue a little bit. Uh, what's, what's in store next? Yes, uh, we, we've been enjoyed it a lot, um, and, but we realize it's quite a lot of work. So, uh, you know, and especially yeah. when we're hooking up with Stu and SA and stuff like that. So that's why we decided to do it in series. So series two of Inspiring African Travel will be Local Heroes. And uh, we've recorded half of the episodes uh, already. So um, there'll be seven episodes and um, some great people. We've got uh, um, one of the legends of the Okavango Delta, uh, an amazing um, lady from Zimbabwe who uh, um, has just a phenomenal story to tell about growing up in Zim and through all the hardships and, and becoming one of the leading uh, community uh, in, uh, empowerment ladies and a uh, great guy from South Africa also who's starting a new game reserve in KwaZulu-Natal so some amazing people um, can't wait to share that so that'll be ready 
the first episode uh, towards the end of November, yeah. we think. Um, and then Inspiring African Experiences will carry on doing it um, in between series. So next up, uh, Stu and I thought we'd dig into KwaZulu-Natal, which is a place in South Africa we love dearly. And uh, we both grew up there and Stuart lived there um, after school. And uh, it's such a diverse province of South Africa and um, so much to it from oceans to coastal forests, to mountains, um, to historic culture. Sorry, just to jump in there on the, on the KZN thing, it's gonna be, it's gonna be quite cool. It's gonna be unique because it's, uh, you know, like James said, it's uh, what's, what's really awesome about KZN or KwaZulu-Natal is that it's like, it's really a destination in one, you know? So from our time living down there, we just loved going up to the coast, going into the wildlife regions or into the mountains and so on. So there's lots of really cool, exciting stories to share. Uh, Sue will no doubt have lots to say about KZN. She's a big fan. And then we've also got some really cool guys that we're going to interview um, about the game reserves, the, beach, the beaches and everything that's going on there. So yeah, they look after that one. That one's going to be really good. Awesome. Guys, again, thank you so much for inviting me and letting me uh, grill you with my questions. I, I hope that we've 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 shared some really good information pockets um, If there's anything to take from from this that I can think of it's go to the Chovy floodplains <laughs> Whenever wherever sort of thing, um, but we really appreciate all the work you guys are doing obviously To be able to share this with the world is fantastic. There's a lot of people who who uh, take great value from your podcast and hopefully from these video sessions as well. Why don't you all just give us a, a little uh, last taste of Chobi and what to keep an eye out for and then um, say cheers. What, what is, uh, one, one last thing about Chobi. Yes, yes, I, got, I can, I can, I can yeah. say something more. I can yeah. say one more go, thing. Go for it. <laughs> just for James. We'll let him sing. Uh, what, what is, yeah. Well, my, my, my tip for the Chobi floodplains, make, uh, make an effort, go out there. If you don't see anything out on the floodplains, uh, drive across that road onto the floodplains. I guarantee you, you'd be treated with something special. And, but if you see a, a silver Prado Land Cruiser in, in the distance, just, just leave, me, leave me alone there. I'm following the game and the, the wildlife there. So leave me in peace if you don't mind. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. and. Uh, See you next time. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>